Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. Usually every season we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism, looking at a particular trope in depth. Right now, we are exploring vampire films. But alongside that, occasionally on the podcast, we cover new films or series that we really want to talk about. And today's bonus episode is all about 12 Hour Shift, the new film written and directed by Bria Grant and out on VOD in the UK now. A hilariously dark film that straddles the line between black comedy, thriller and horror, 12 Hour Shift follows a drug addicted, overworked nurse by the name of Mandy, played by horror icon Angela Perez, who finds herself one night beholden to a gang of organ traffickers. I'm joined in this episode by the writer and presenter Louise Blaine to discuss the film in detail. Now, we're starting to do something a little bit differently here on the Final Ghost podcast because there's so many brilliant horror films and I want to be able to cover as many of them as possible. From now on, we'll post a spoiler-free bonus episodes and any filmmaker interviews that we do on our main feed. But if you want to hear the spoilerific full discussion, you can listen to that over on our Patreon right now. We'll publish them at the same time, but we will be keeping the spoilerific discussions on our Patreon. Alongside my conversation with Louise, I was lucky enough to be able to chat to writer-director Bria Grand, and I'll also link to that episode in the show notes. That interview is spoiler-free, so if you still need convincing after listening to this episode, feel free to check it out. Bria is hilarious. And with that said, Enjoy our deep dive into the brutally funny 12-hour shift. Hello, Louise. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I am well, thank you, Anna. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always exciting. Really looking forward to chatting to you about this film. I think before we we dig into 12-hour shift, I know you've watched it before. You saw it at the... I believe Fright Fest. Fright Fest. Yes, one of the it was the digital Fright Fest, I yeah. think. The, the first one in, digital Fright Fest. The one in August last year, wasn't yes, it? Yes, the yeah. August one, not the Halloween one. I can't believe we're <laughs> now at the point where we're two digital Fright Fests ago and there's going to be another one. It's just very strange. But yeah. yes, we've gone very quickly from a world where an online or a digital virtual festival seemed like slightly foreign the concept to now just being overwhelmed by the amount yeah. of choice. Yes, that's what. I mean, I find it weird because my last normal thing mm. before we in the before times was Glasgow Fright Fest 2020. That was really? my last. Yeah. So that was my being in a cinema, everyone being there. And we were kind of at the stage where like, mm. if everyone could just like wash their hands, that was the stage we were at was, can't you just wash your hands? And the guys were all telling me that there was cues in the men's toilets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, weren't you washing your hands before? And they would just look at me and it's like, okay, Okay, sure. So I discovered, you know, at my last normal event that dudes just don't wash their hands, which is gross. I love that you pointed out that the dudes were complaining that there was queues outside of the men's bathroom. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of ironic. It's a novelty, isn't it? It is. Mm. Who knew you had to queue? So I was, mm. oh, yes, queuing. and But almost, I almost miss real life enough to miss that. Well, I was just thinking that as well. I was just thinking, oh, you know what? Even the complaining about a queue for a bathroom seems so, I don't know, appealing now. I'd love a queue at a train station toilet right about now. I would love to meet a random woman in a bathroom and just become instant forgettable friends with her for for five minutes. 
Yeah, best friends. They would tell you how beautiful you are and you'll tell them that you're a beautiful soul and you'll just have that moment and you'll never see them again. Yeah, And, and that would, hasn't happened for about a year. And I would not be afraid that maybe being too close to them would um, contract Kill me with anyone. a deathly virus. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Aww, she times. says laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a nice, this is a nice intro to a really dark, really dark horror I comedy. I know. So tell me, what did you think of the film when you first saw it at the festival? And... Has that opinion changed since you rewatched it almost almost a year after that? Yeah, do you know it really has. So mm. the first time I watched it, um, I felt I had no idea what it was doing and what it was what it where it was going to go and what its tone was, mm -hmm. and I was really surprised. So I, I spent the whole time on the back foot, I think, going, "What is this movie doing? Why mm -hmm. am I laughing? Why am I afraid? Who is this person?" <laughs> so when I watched it last night for the podcast, mm -hmm. I was like. I feel a lot better now. I feel a whole lot better. I feel like I can relax. I feel like, I mean, it's not a very relaxing film. There's some really interesting soundtrack bits, mm -hmm. but I felt like I could kind of get into the groove of the tone, which I wasn't prepared for the first time. So actually I enjoyed it. Not that I didn't enjoy it the first time, I did, but I enjoyed it more the second time because I knew what was coming and I knew the sense of humour that was there and what was, it, it was no longer a surprise. So I appreciated it a bit more. So what did you make of the tone? Because it's very dark, but it's also very funny. I've got this note in front of me that says, Oh, I love this your This movie is like a weird nightmare. <laughs> and I think, I think that's what it is for me. It's, it's the tone of nightmares. It's the tone where no one is doing what they should mm -hmm. when they should, and, and no one is acting the right way. So, not to you know make any spoilers, but this is mm. a podcast. This is a um, you know a movie about um, organ trafficking, yeah. and the whole thing is set off when an organ is not where it should be, and that is the. That is that is what nightmares are made of, Anna. Nightmares are when things aren't where they should be, like when you're packing for a flight and your suitcase is miraculously empty, or you have to, you know, you have to do it, make an emergency phone call, but of course your battery is empty. That is a nightmare. So this movie just descends further into like a random cheese dream, and I love it. <laughs> and a really, a really well written cheese dream. I, I want that script. The script is so sharp mm -hmm. that that's it's um really unpredictable and strange. So that tone. I think some people won't like that tone and I can understand those people, but I'm not one of them. Excellent. And I, I really sympathize with your with your way of approaching it as well, because it, is a, because it is a movie that kind of slaps you around the face several times within the first yeah. 30 minutes and you don't really know what it is. And once you sort of settle in into that nightmarish anxiety, yes. and to me, the film felt like, like both it, it to me this movie read like what burnout feels like yes. you know when you're going into the office into a job that you're very good at but you're kind of you know tired of it's you're quite done. routine you're kind of done and you're tired and you haven't slept and you're just operating on coffee and everyone is annoying you yes. everyone is doing things wrong and you couldn't even you probably couldn't even identify specifically what they were doing wrong they could just chew wrong and you'd kick mm. them out a window yeah. It's just that that kind of that constant sense of anger and annoyance. Yes. More than anger, it's annoyance. It's everybody's annoying our yeah. lead character. So yes. let's talk about our lead character, Mandy, who's played here by a, a, a sort of independent horror icon, I would call her, Angela Bettis. What did you make of Mandy? She, she's amazing. <laughs> she's genuinely, her face is 
I can't, I do not want to be here right now. And it's just <laughs> variations on I do not want to be here right now. And it's an art. It's an actual mm-hmm. art to have your face do those things, to, to give as little of a fuck as she gives. And she, and I think that's another reason that it's a nightmare for me because Mandy as a character is awful, right? She's terrible, really. She's not she's not wholly terrible. She is, as you say, tired and she has family ties and she's doing her job. She really doesn't want to be there. I don't and think she's terrible. I think she's unlikable, but yes. go on. But I, I think... I think what I feel is that she doesn't, again, it's one of those nightmare things where I try desperately, even when I'm really pissed off with people, mm. to be nice. <laughs> and she doesn't have that. Yeah, she no. doesn't have any filter. Mm-hmm. So in that way, she she's not filtering any of her true, her true feelings. It doesn't make her a bad person, but she is, you know, when she's being in that room with the with the woman who's clearly panicked about mm-hmm. her mother mm-hmm. being in the, in the hospital bed. And she's just like, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and you're going, just say something nice. And the closest she gets is, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I know that place that, you know, you, you used to eat or whatever. And she kind of ushers her out. And at no point, at no point was there ever a nice interaction. At no point does she, you know, is there anything considering closeness mm-hmm. or French, you know, friendliness? There is no friendliness there. So she, she's a marvel, a genuine marvel of unpredict and she's unpredictable too i love that she's unpredictable you have no idea what she's going to do in any given situation whether it's in the early part of the movie or the later part of the movie you're just like i don't know what you're going to do next and i'm going to keep watching and i can't take my eyes off your face she is a it's a weird combination that and i think you're tapping into both of those um both of those extremes is the fact that she's not terrible but we're quite unused to seeing a lead character who is carrying from the very first shot of the movie the entire film on her shoulders and it's an independent movie you know there's not it's not a massive ensemble of actors there's not it's pretty much takes place in this in this hospital so a lot of it is just on her following her and she doesn't really want to be there and she's not a very likable person she doesn't give a fuck about anyone or anything really and Yet we can't stop watching. So it's yeah. that combination of find of a, a really sharply written character who does not really care whether you enjoy spending the next 90 minutes with them or not, but also anchored by Angela Bettis's performance, who is such a watchable actress that you can't take your eyes off of her, but you also don't want to watch her. Do you remember she was really the same type of sort of disdainful character mm. in Girl Interrupted. She played Janet. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember her. The girl her. with the eating disorder. Yeah. And she was like, I remember one particular scene where they were all walking through the snow and she mm-hmm. was so light that she could walk on top of the snow mm-hmm. and she was just smoking. Yes. And again, with that not giving a fuck attitude. And she just delivers this incredible character mm. type. That's not a, it's not a trope. It's like the opposite of a trope. She's totally you want to see more and you want to see what she's doing next even though even though you're not welcome mm. you're really not welcome because there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah and so without kind of going into the details just yet what do you make of the way that she interacts with other people i'm thinking especially of of how she interacts with regina her cousin supposed oh my cousin gosh. regina <laughs> oh regina i think I think there's a fascinating relationship there um, because 
there is a relationship, but she doesn't want it. So it's almost as if it's pulling teeth, but there's clearly something that keeps her together because she keeps saying, I'm not your cousin. I'm not your cousin. I'm not your cousin. But mm -hmm. it's like, you're still there. You're still there talking to her and you're actually working with her as much as you dislike it. You know, they've clearly done this before, this transfer of things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, um, I, I like their relationship so much because Regina plays it so differently. Um, so Regina's just, is it Chloe Farnworth? And she's just unbelievable as this over-the-top character who I think is kind of like a Harley Quinn-esque character especially yes. when there's this whole like there's this whole slow-mo let's eat Cheetos sequence <laughs> which is like budget Harley Quinn with cheese puffs and platforms and weird glittery socks like mm -hmm. I'm so into her character as a complete joyous idiot like <laughs> she's like a joyous psychopathic idiot yeah, she is. She really is. You, she's another one. You're just like, mm. I have no idea what you're going to do. And we're, I'm not going to... The things that she does later on mm -hmm. are genuinely shocking. <laughs> because because you didn't... You, you knew that you couldn't predict what she was going to do, but you didn't think she was going to do those things. Uh, meanwhile, you're just like, she's a happy, sort of, just a bit silly. But no, no, actually, she when she's got something in her head, she's going to do it. So, I mean, those two are... They, they play off each other so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what do you make of the of the setting? Because I think it's important to know that the entire thing, as I mentioned before, kind of takes place in this hospital on the on this night shift, and most of our characters are nurses or pretending to be or patients. So there's this yeah. sort of wild small ensemble of uh, hospital employees and random patients that come in and out. What did you make of the way that? everyone played off of each other in this sort of workplace scenario i thought it was very tv mm. i thought it was i thought it was lit very tv mm -hmm. everything looked like a hospital drama that's what i especially liked about it mm -hmm. because you could when sometimes they were in the chapel and obviously you knew that was part of the hospital and they were going in there to have chats or to pray and the lighting was always the same whether mm -hmm. they were at the reception or whether they were praying with some stained glass behind to indicate it was the chapel so I really liked almost the it was almost like I know a bottle episode is just one room but it mm. felt like that kind of bottle episode like that kind of you were in one place and one place only and you understand it like I don't think they even left I don't think they even left that floor I think they stayed on the floor and you didn't mm. you didn't leave the hospital really you saw the you saw the back alley actually you did leave the hospital when you went to that other when uh, when um, Regina went away to drop yeah. off the thing, but it yeah. still felt it still feels really small and mm -hmm. it feels really intimate, and it um it almost emphasizes the comedy nature of the drama in mm -hmm. a lot of ways because it's got that closeness and because you are only being given a select amount of characters that become almost sort of comedy the the, the further the movie rolls on. So if just listening to you talk about it in that way it just makes me think of like an after hour scrubs yes um yes and before we we start moving into into the spoiler section i think one of the most interesting things about this film is the way that it uses music mm -hmm. what did you make of the way that it creates its soundtrack but also of the way that it uses music to create this sort of interludes Yes, you end up with these, and, and it's from the very beginning, mm -hmm. the music really sets that tone because it's completely over the top. 
and it mixes up um, vocals and it, it's very it reminded me almost like a comedic version of an A24 movie <laughs> because <laughs> it's so it's so obviously inverting that mm -hmm. like when you are watching an A24 movie and you're being mm -hmm. you know this is the start of Hereditary for instance you are going to go uh, the start of Midsummer. even you are getting these strings and they're being forced into your ears and you're going to be afraid mm -hmm. meanwhile this has a sort of comedic musical tone but it's also slightly harassing there's the vocals mm -hmm. elements to it where it sort of adds drama and you're like oh yes. god I'm stressed I'm even more stressed <laughs> than I was before and I was already in a nightmare so and but it still manages to balance it with comedy mm. so and I also apologize to anyone listening that as I made that horrific noise into the microphone but it's um <laughs> There's definitely, uh, I really appreciated the way it used music because mm -hmm. it used it almost as an additional character of here's how you're meant to feel at this moment. You don't know how you're meant to feel, but it's going to be funny because mm -hmm. it's, uh, again, talking about like a heightened reality. And I was on um, The Evolution of Horror talking about teeth, mm -hmm. which also has a very heightened reality that, that comedy horror has to fall into in order to make it palatable. Absolutely. Um, so it really needs to live in that that zone of absurdist and satire without losing any of its heart or connection. Picking up on that, actually, because one of the things as well that really surprised me was um, I I expected it to be a straight up horror film. I expected it to be gruesome yeah. and, and quite dark. And it is dark, but it is essentially a, a dark comedy horror. Yeah. We've spoken about the comedy, but how did you feel about the horrific elements of it? I, the the one moment where it properly did fall into horror was when mm. it became a musical, you know. <laughs> In fact, the last, was it the last thing we talked about was the last two ago we were talking about the, the Mermaid lore. musical? Yeah. That literally, I, when I was watching, wait, yeah, so Anne and I are, are talking about a musical again. Okay, sure. <laughs> I sense a theme. Yeah, wait, there is a theme here, but... Hilariously, that's where the horror came in. That's where the spurty, gory, mm -hmm. nasty, organ squishy horror came in. And then it didn't actually let up. There was a few bits a bit later on where things just got really... Are we in spoiler territory yet? Not yet. Okay, well, things get really <laughs> nasty later on and it's quite it's quite surprising because mm. I think when you when you set a horror movie in a hospital and mm -hmm. then if you make it... Then if you make it about organs, suddenly every single character... <laughs> becomes a walking set of organs right so <laughs> so suddenly you've when you make the plot of your movie let's get a kidney suddenly everyone's just kidneys on legs right so you've basically <laughs> it's true right you've you've turned you've turned the plot into a series of flesh wrapped kidneys and who is going to get you know who's who's going to fall you know who's going to get their flesh punctured to get the kidneys because everyone's just a walking kidney so that entire premise immediately goes oh now we're in horror territory and how they're going to deal with that is very interesting because the minute you start going inside people to pull out organs in any other film you'd, you'd sit, be sitting in hostel or you'd be sitting somewhere else so mm. i think that's what's really interesting about it is hospitals are horror hospitals are very real horror as we know right now hospitals are horrific places where brave people do brave things and when you pivot that 
and, and turn it into comedy you have a you do walk a very thin line so mm. you need to you need to err into absurdism and you need you need to know what your tone is because otherwise you're just going to come off as tasteless and disgusting you know you're just gonna I, I say that as someone that made that kidney joke earlier but but it's because I live in that satire world when I'm talking about movies like mm -hmm. this so I I think it's actually very sort of masterful tonal shifts to be able to err into horror without making everyone throw up I mean, there's there's not that much of it that we can discuss without nope. going into spoiler territory. And I really want to discuss all the all the gory. I'm actually looking at the AMDB right now and I almost expected all the character names just to be like kidney on legs one, kidney on legs two, kidney on legs three. <laughs> but before we move on into the details of 12-hour shift, would you recommend that horror fans seek this film out? Yes, absolutely. Watch it, watch it, watch it and come back and listen to our spoilers once you have. Excellent. So on that note, let's move into the spoiler section of our discussion about 12-hour shift. Now that's it for our spoiler-free discussion of 12-hour shift. If you want to listen to the rest of the conversation that Louise and I had, do head over to our Patreon feed and you can listen to this full to the full spoilerific conversation about 12 hour shift. And in the meantime, we will be back this Friday with more vampire conversations. In the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. They do help a lot with people discovering the podcast. If any of you want to find out more about what we do, we publish everything on the final uk. We publish a weekly newsletter with horror treats and we are on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at the final uk. You can also follow Louise on Twitter at shiny demon and I am at anime demented. Thank you for listening and we will be covering more new releases and horror stuff both here and on our patreon feed so if you're able to we do appreciate your support a lot but these are weird times and if you can't or you don't want to that is absolutely fine we're still going to be publishing free episodes every week and publishing um, spoiler free discussions of new releases as well as always thank you for listening <laughs>